Uh, good morning, everybody. There we are. Good morning. Uh, good morning, anyone online. I'm so glad that you could be with us and join us. Uh, listen, before we jump into prayer, um, I wanted to just, you know, recap. The last couple weeks have been intense, heavy, and all sorts of other things for all of us. And uh, we're just going to be jumping uh, back in after Easter um, in Genesis 47. So that's where we'll be. But I want to uh, recap a few things, right? We've been in this story of Joseph for quite some time, about him uh, coming back with his brothers and this big reveal when he um, shares with his brothers that's who he is, and obviously that was a pretty climactic story. Um, and then the brothers are sent back by Pharaoh and Joseph to tell who? Jacob that, hey, Joseph is still here. And you can imagine you know, Joseph was in a, or sorry, Jacob was in a lot of despair and almost was ready to give up, but then believed them and he had hope again. Okay, and then in 46, if you hadn't had a chance to go listen to Joel's message on chapter 46, I would highly encourage it. Um, but they are getting ready to go back into Egypt and Jacob is going to join them. And this is where I just want to read something at the very beginning that I think will be great for all of us. Okay, and so at 46, 1, through three or so, and says, So Israel set out with all, with all that was his, and when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifice to, God of, to the God of his father, Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he replied, Here I am. And God said, I am the God, the God of your father. He said, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I don't know where you sit, but I think we should have this posture saying, God, here I am. I'm listening. I am here. God will be faithful in that, just like he is to Jacob here. So let's pray real quick. God, here I am. Your servant is listening. What do you have for me, Father? We pray as we jump into chapter 47, God, that you would teach us and show us what it means to put our faith and trust in you wholeheartedly and not ourselves. God, we thank you for this example. From the beginning of your promise until now, we get to celebrate what Jacob and his family had endured to see your eternal promises, and we thank you for that. In your name, amen. All right, so here's this tension. Um, we've been concentrating on Joseph and his reunion with his brothers. Again, the brothers that betrayed him, betrayed their father, but Joseph continued to be faithful. Um, and there are these two words, I like to point them out often because they can be con sort of confusing or get confused, um, is the word sovereignty and the word God's providence. Okay, so God's sovereignty and providence. The difference between them is it's God showing his faithfulness in providence means in the current circumstance of that time or even for us today where sovereignty is God's control and, and will and being faithful over his grand plan, over his promise. 
But where things intersecting can get confusing for us or even in these stories is that people are involved and they're called to have faith in those two things, in God's providence and his overall plan and his sovereignty. And so in 47, we're going to see that be played out uh, by Jacob and his family. Okay, so let's look at 47.1. Get your eyes there. Um, and right before that, um, Joseph was explaining to some of his brothers that they're about to go before Pharaoh and was giving them some pointers, okay, of, you know, hey, you're about to go before the king of all kings, the one that is praised um, in this nation that doesn't like us, so you probably should listen to my wisdom, right? So verse 1, Joseph went and told Pharaoh, my father and brothers with their flocks and herds and everything they own have come from the land of Canaan and are now in Goshen. He chose five of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked the brothers, what is your occupation? And they answered, your servants are shepherds. They replied to Pharaoh, just as our fathers were. Now, before that, right, they, the shepherds were detestable. So Joseph was telling them to be honest, right? To be honest about it. Because then they have a family history of lying and being fearful to tell the truth. So Joseph here is, is trying to put things back into order. God is trusting him to do that. So it's, this is what's happening, and this is what is happening. So we're shepherds just like our fathers were, and they were also said to him, we have come to live here a while because the famine is severe in Canaan, and your servants' flocks have no pasture. So now please let your servants settle in Goshen. Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you, and the land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best part of the land. Let them live in Goshen. And if you know of any among them with special ability, put them in charge of my own livestock. So not only, yeah, you can have, you can have this space. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to trust some things to you as well. This is, this is Pharaoh talking about that, right? This is God showing off his grand plan, Okay. This is God showing off his grand plan, uh, which they were kind of scared about, but Joseph, again, was helping guide them in it. 1 Peter 2, 11 through 17 says this, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which rage, sorry, wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. What, what is this family? They're sojourners. They're exiles now. They left Canaan and they went to a place and they're just faithful. They're, they're trusting God in faith even just by being honest. In that First Peter 2, 11 and 12, it goes on to 13, say, be subject to the Lord, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil, and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put silence, I'm sorry, put to silence the ignorance of the foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, and fear God and honor the emperor. These are words for us today. Honor God by being honest. You know why? Because it takes faith. It's going to call us to more faith. 
right? If we have to be honest before those, and you know, as time as persecution comes, we don't have to hide those things. We get to be a light for the Gentiles, those that are not believers. Again, now God is just showing off, but then so Pharaoh gets gives them this land. And then if you look in verse 7 of, of chapter 47, it says, Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and presented him before Pharaoh. After Jacob blessed Pharaoh, Pharaoh asked him, How old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of my pilgrimage, your version might say sojourning, the years of my pilgrimage are 130, and my years have been, a, a few, been few and difficult and they do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my father's, his descendants. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers in Egypt and gave them property in the best part of the land, the district of Ramses, as Pharaoh directed. Joseph also provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to the number of their children. So what's happening here um, is Jacob is recognizing his true place in God's story, right? And he's endured a lot. Like he, thought he, lost, like he thought he lost his son, and then his sons come back and say, just kidding, he's not gone. So when he gets that message in 46, when he gets this vision from the Lord, he's saying, don't be afraid, because I think he's saying, like, God, this is like just too much. God, this is too much for me. And as he shares with Pharaoh, he says, I'm... A pilgrim. Now, what does it mean to be a sojourner or a pilgrim? It's not just the goofy hats with the buckles on it. You're not in your home, right? You're uncomfortable. You're, you're traveling in foreign lands, right? That's what a sojourner was, someone that was a, coming from a foreign place. And all over Scripture, it's saying, hey, you're, you're kind of a guest in someone else's home. And a lot of times we think, well, they need to be hospitable to me. As a follower of Jesus, we are actually supposed to have a different posture. Right? So this is what is happening to Jacob. A pilgrim is on a journey, not just any type of willy-nilly journey, okay? It's a pursuit of a sacred place as a pilgrim. It's a pursuit for a sacred place. So that looks a little bit different. And you can tell that, you know, Jacob, he's not being bitter when he shares this, but he's also revealing, like, I've just had some long and dark days. Probably full of regrets of his own control of his children, right? He was, we kind of bashed him because he, favored, he showed favoritism to his children. He also was, what, a big deceiver, But God continue to use it, right? So we're, we're sojourners, we're pilgrims. And this, this part of him blessing Pharaoh is actually like a fulfillment, a continued fulfillment of God's promise. In Genesis 12, I want to remind you, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. 
Verse 3, this is where it gets cool. I will bless those who bless you, and I will dishonor those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is a fulfillment where Jacob gets to bless who? The greatest emperor that exists at this time. Pharaoh. Again, God continues to do these. And Moses is pointing this out through writing this, okay? 13, we'll read a lot, a big chunk of this. We'll kind of break it down a little bit. But So your title might say Joseph in the Famine. Now there was no food, however, in the whole region because the famine was severe. Both Egypt and Canaan wasted away because of the famine. Joseph collected all the money that was to be found in Egypt and Canaan in payment for the grain they were buying, and he brought it to Pharaoh's palace. When the money of the people of Egypt and Canaan was gone, all Egypt came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? Our money is used up. Joseph said, Then bring your livestock. I will sell you food in exchange for your livestock since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and he gave them food in exchange for their horses, their sheep, their goats, cattle, and donkeys. And he brought them through that year with food in exchange for all their livestock. When that year was over, they came to him the following year and said, We cannot hide from our Lord the fact that since our money is gone and our livestock belongs to you, there's nothing left for our our Lord except our bodies and our land. Why should we perish before your eyes, we and our land as well? Buy us and our land in exchange for food, and we with our land will be in bondage to Pharaoh. Give us seed so that we may live and not die, and that the land may not become desolate. So Joseph bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh. The the Egyptians, one and all, sold their fields because the famine was too severe for them, and the land became Pharaoh. So something that's going on here is they're they're realizing that the only hope they have is, is in Pharaoh, but this is the plan that Joseph had had dreamed about, right? Or helped interpret. He said, this is what you need to do. And he was put in charge of it. Now notice, again, there's this distinction where God is starting to separate the family of Israel and all the other nations. What happened to Jacob and his family? They received favor from Pharaoh. They received land. It's no coincidence that it's, it was in God's plan. What happened to the Egyptians? They had to give it all up to their own nation. Right? This is God fulfilling his promise. Keep reading. We'll start at 20. So Joseph bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh. The Egyptians, one and all, sold their fields because the famine was too severe for them. The land became Pharaoh's. And Joseph reduced the people to servitude from one end of Egypt to the other. However, he did not buy the land of the priests because they received a regular allotment from Pharaoh and had food enough from the allotment Pharaoh gave them. That is why they did not sell their land. Joseph said to the people, Now that I have bought you and your land today for Pharaoh, here's seed for you so you can plant the ground. But when the crop comes, comes in, give a fifth of it to Pharaoh. The other four-fifths you may keep as seed for the fields and as food for yourselves and your households and your children. I'm just going to make a side note here. Some people are really critical of this. They think that Joseph was trying to take advantage of them, and that's not true, right? He was actually being very fair. He was being very fair and knew this is what they needed, and it was honorable. 
verse 25, you have saved our lives, they said. You see that? Like, they, they acknowledge that, you know, they're not asking for more. They're not entitled. To, they don't feel entitled to more. They're, they're thankful, these Egyptians. You have saved our lives, they said. May we find favor in the eyes of your Lord. We will be in bondage to Pharaoh. So Joseph established it as a law concerning the land in Egypt, still enforced today, that a fifth of the produce belongs to Pharaoh. It is only the land of the priests that did not become Pharaoh's. Now the Israelites settled in Egypt in the region of Goshen. They acquired property that were fruitful, or, and were fruitful and increased greatly in number. Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years. So 17 years after he shows up and is presented before Pharaoh, he still is there for quite some time, right? So God is continuing to show him his promise, and it doesn't just happen in an instant. It happens over time. Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years, and the years of his life were 147. When the time drew near for Israel to die, he called for his son Joseph and said to him, if I have found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh and promise that you will show, my kind, show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt, but when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. And Joseph said, I will do as you say. Swear to me, Jacob says. Then Joseph swore to him and Israel worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. So what's happening here, right, is Jacob, over this time, is realizing, man, I had, I had crooked people in my own house. I had my own crookedness. And God continues to pour out grace and favor over my family. And at the end of this, when he, he's dying, he actually is taking a step in faith also, knowing that he's, he should not be buried in Egypt. Where is he supposed to be? Back in Canaan, right? But, and he gets buried in the cave where Rachel is. And what's happening here, though, is, is he's starting to recognize things where God is putting it back together. For us, it, this is a, should be an encouraging story. You know, Romans 8.28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for his good for those who are called according to his purpose. It can be tough to see the good things when we're in it, right? When we're kind of in the thick of it. That's where we have to exercise our faith. What Jacob is recognizing at the end of this is he notices God's plan, his, his plan all along of what he was doing through Joseph. Joseph. He doesn't understand necessarily at the, at the beginning when he leaves. He's like, this is just too much for me to understand, too much for me to take. Lord, have mercy on me. And that's why he appears before him in a vision to say, do not be afraid. And so this is an exercise of faith to go to Joseph, who God had used. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews eleven thirteen through 16. Give you a second to get there. 
I always like to leave, read a little bit before, so I'll, I'll look at 11. It says, By faith Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him, him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. This is where it gets important. It says, all of these were still living by faith when they died. So what happened to them? They never got to see the end result, right? They never got to see the end result. And there's some of us that may not be able to see the end result of certain things here on earth. But we exercise our faith. So verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles here on earth. Jacob is recognizing his position, right? He's a pilgrim. 14, for people who speak this, thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have, not, have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, the better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Okay? The descendants were waiting for something greater than just an earthly home. Right? Greater than an earthly home. And we can confuse that. We think that our home here on earth is supposed to be our forever home. So I was, um, you know, I, I share that I, I have this awesome opportunity to be uh, kind of in a community of a lot of different pastors, and I'm part of this prayer community, and it, uh, it's, it's kind of foreign to me. It's, it's a little more energized, and um, I mean, these are just seasoned pastors, and you I mean prayer warriors for God's kingdom, and I've, I've been a part of it for years, and I just, I attend once a month on Wednesdays, and we're in this prayer meeting, and this man shows up, and he's a short man. He's, he's bald and has a beard, and, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm short, so he's really short, you know, and we're praying, and we're just, we're praying for all sorts of things. We're interceding for, for our city, for our, the world, and just, you know, praying that God will continue to uh, reveal himself, and this man, this short man, his name is Bob Chin, and he he could he just prayed these powerful prayers like so loud it was like this roar came out of him i couldn't even try to you know imitate it because i would wouldn't do it justice but if you could imagine it was just a force of like nature when he would pray it was like he was bringing heaven down to earth okay like it was they were intense but i also knew they were genuine and I didn't know this guy. You know, he, he showed up one time at this prayer meeting, and I was like, I don't, who is this man? Who is this guy that's praying like this, that like, seems to have this deep connection with the Father? And I go to uh, one of my pastor friends, his name's Joseph, and I was like, who is that guy? He's like, his name's Bob Chin. Yeah, he's, been, he's been a faithful servant in the community of Colorado for a really long time, was a pastor, and man, he just, he just loves God, you know, and he, and he trusts in his promises. And so I was like, man, I can't wait to meet him sometime. But he left, and you know, I was like, well, I'll catch him at the next one. And so we go, you know, we meet once a month, and he, he comes. And again, he just brings down these prayers that they're hard to describe other than 
I just like to know God is, him and God are, are tight and they're close. I didn't get a chance to catch him again. And so I'm, it's the beginning of this year and I'm looking forward to hopefully meeting him because I'm not sure if he's going to show up. I show up at this prayer meeting and Pastor Joseph, he kind of leads this prayer gathering. He says, I have some unfortunate news that Pastor Bob passed away last week. Man, and I, and I was... I was I couldn't believe it, right? And I didn't know him well enough, so I didn't get to go to his funeral. But as I was hanging out with some of these friends, they started actually fill me in. Why why was he so close to the Lord? Like, how could this guy pray like this? It's with such faith and such boldness. And they were sharing from his funeral, and and there was this motto, I guess, that that they shared. And Bob's motto this whole time, it says, this earth is not my forever home. That's the way he lived. This is not my forever home. That's why he had this great connection because he had surrendered and said, God, this is not my forever home. I'm going to live in hope the one day that I'll get to be in your presence. This earth is not my forever home. This is the reminder what's happening in Genesis 47. So when you go home after work or you have a long, hard day, and I can just almost imagine that most of us have had some heavy days. You sit, you sit down, maybe you're unwinding, you finally got the kids to sleep, finally, right? You, you've kind of shut down your mind. You sat down on the couch, maybe you have a choice beverage in your hand, and you're like, gosh, God, I don't know how I'm going to take on the next day. This is our hope. This church, our homes, the couches we get to sit on on at home when I have that glass, that's not our home. Flip over to 2 Corinthians 4. Joel talked about this last week a little bit. Second Corinthians four verse sixteen. We're gonna be reading it for a quick little while. Hot minute. Second Corinthians four sixteen. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inward, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. Outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. This is what's happening to Jacob and his family. That's what's happening to us. We fix our eyes on things that are unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Chapter 5, verse 1. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Listen, what's happening in the church of Corinth, they were going through some bad bad stuff, right? This is, this is Paul's second letter of encouragement. First one's kind of like a rebuke, and then he's like saying, hey, like, all that happened, like, there's still hope for you, right? And so he, he's encouraging them, reminding them 
Verse 2, meanwhile, we groan longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. I love that verse, you know why? Being naked is just vulnerable, right? In our despair, in our troubles. Where we feel right now, the, the tension we feel right now, it's vulnerable. But we, we all get to sit in it. For while we are, this is verse 4, for while we are in this tent, we groan in our burdened, what tent? The temporary tent, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life, true life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Verse 6, therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at, the home, at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Our goal is to please him with all that we have. That is our goal. Verse 10, this is where we'll wrap up. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. So this story of Jacob, I mean, Jacob and him coming to the end of his life you know, he was worried that he was, like, couldn't take it on. You know, he didn't know what was next, and he had to take a step of faith. He had to humble himself, right, before Pharaoh, before his own son, to, to ask for blessing. But it was God revealing, saying, I am in control. Now, this home here, is not your forever home. And that's why we get to praise him. That's why we get to come before him and we take communion remembering his promise. His promise for us. So as we continue to worship, I would encourage you to say, God, here I am. I'm listening. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, man, we thank you for, oh man, how you are in control, how you turn things that are bad into good. God, I know each person here sits with a different weight and burden on their life, God. And you ask us to cast all our fears and anxieties on you. I pray that we would be allowed to do that as we come to you in praise and worship. That as long as we are here on earth, that we would, we would do everything that is pleasing and honoring to you and not ourselves. That we could be a good testimony to those that do not know you as we are sojourners and exiles waiting for a better home. Lord, we love you and we give you all the praise in your name.
Amen. You know, as we continue to respond in worship, uh, we will have communion on both sides. You know, opportunity to respond in joyful giving. And I can imagine a response in request for prayer might be the, the biggest thing. So I'll be over there in the prayer room. If there's anyone else um, that wants to pray with anyone, obviously just tap on someone's shoulder. We should bring these to the Lord, whatever that is. I don't, is there a woman from the women's ministry going to be praying? Oh, okay. Kara's going to be over there. If you're more comfortable praying with a woman, but just re- be reminded that, man, God has a greater plan than we could ever ask or imagine. Let's continue to worship.